to the Ralphie and the Tuna Bass and Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio, my guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making one of her regular appearances on the program, former contributor to SB Nation Mariners blog, Lookout Landing, and also Baseball Prospectus. She currently serves as the managing editor of the Hardball Times. It is Meg Rowley. Meg Rowley is the guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. I don't think I'm telling any tales out of school, and I suggest that no small amount of baseball coverage is defined either by ranking or voting. Ranking or voting, of course, for active players, this is not hard to see at all. One does so merely by sorting a leaderboard of any description. And, of course, prospect rankings and Hall of Fame voting are two ways in which players who either have yet to appear in the majors or those who have completed their major league careers are also organized and better understood. Uh, This is relevant in one way because those are words about baseball. It's relevant in a second way because Maine last week became the first state to use ranked choice voting in an election, in this case for the Democratic and Republican primaries for governor. Ranked choice voting has the words ranked and vote right in the title. Conveniently, Meg Rowley herself is familiar with the scholarship of representation, which means how people want to be represented, how they choose those representatives. She discusses some of the more reasonable assessments of ranked choice voting and its efficacy to what degree it does and doesn't succeed in representing the will of the people. Also discussed on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, what is very possibly an already clear American League playoff picture. And finally, we find Rowley sounding a note of optimism on the human race. I think it's important to remember that human beings have been terrible for a very long time. That uplifting note and others like it to follow. Before we get to that conversation with Rally, however, this is both my privilege and also my professional obligation to announce that Fangrash memberships, Fangrash memberships exist. I just want to say that Fangrash memberships exist. For reasonable sum, readers of Fangrafts.com can support the excellent work that appears in those electronic pages. And for a slightly less reasonable sum, not unreasonable, but slightly less reasonable, those same readers can acquire, if they so choose, an ad-free membership, which allows one to browse Fangrafts.com without the burden of banner ads not only facilitating faster loading speeds, but also liberating one from the distorted effects of advertising. Fangraphs membership and ad-free membership available only at Fangraphs.com by going to that URL, Fangraphs.com, and clicking around a little bit. All right, uh, with that advert now complete, let us move on to our conversation. What is it? It is Fangraphs Audio. Who does it feature? Managing editor of the Hardball Times, Meg Rally. And when does it begin? Right now. Stress, or if he's just amusing himself. Sure, I babysat my my niece the other week. Well, my sister was at work, and because uh, you know we work from home, so I was like, I'll I'll make sure she doesn't die for a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Sit here and edit the hardball times, and I and she was a lovely angel, which she has not been for my sister of late because she's two, and yeah. they can be you know, little monsters in a developmentally appropriate sort of way. And then she, I put her down for a nap and she screamed for 10 minutes and then passed out. Oh yeah. 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 I held firm though. Didn't, didn't get her. I was tempted. How long would you have gone? Do you think? I I had probably another five minutes left in me. I mean, she was yelling, auntie, auntie. I was like, oh no. It's going to break your heart. You've got it figured out, little one. Yeah. (laughs) One time... Uh, yeah, this may not be true, but this seems like a very effective way of like it seems like it's like a rhetorical trick that of which I'm almost jealous. And it was like my three year old half sister. Um, my stepmom had her at the supermarket, mm-hmm. 
And she was like being very difficult. And then my stepmom was like, you have to stop. Like my stepmom moved and my sister said, don't hit me again. Oh my gosh. Which uh, she had never been hit in the first place. But it's like, (laughs) that was like some real, that was some terrorism. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. Jedi nonsense there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Well, that was good. That's like how, um, because you're always showing your support for. That's good. Oh, no. We'll leave that to later. Oh, no. Meg Rally. Hi. Meg Rally, editor of the Horrible Times. Yep. <laughs> Steadfast supporter of um, women uh, in, in uh, political positions, regardless of the stances they have on the issues. <laughs> 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 uh, feminism so complicated what's ho- what's complicated feminism oh it is yeah I, it's one thing i've gathered hey i have a question sure if there's one thing you know about me it's you know that um i'm mindlessly tribalistic right oh yeah first yeah. thing yeah and uh uh no uh well i mean I don't, I don't actually don't even know if i'm joking i'm pretty sure that that is a defining quality of me for fortunately for me i suppose it's a defining quality of most people yeah we're weak we're weak people yeah. And uh, all of us. And uh, I wanted to ask you about a a thing. I want to ask you about a thing. It's definitely, it's a noun. It's a noun that I'm going to describe. Uh, but recently here in Maine, there was a vote on blah, 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 blah. There's, um, there's been a couple of different iterations of it, but essentially it was a vote either in support of or not in support of ranked choice voting. Mm-hmm. The vote of ranked choice voting was not a ranked choice vote, actually, just because it was about, sort of a binary situation. Sure. There actually was a ranked choice vote that took place in the primaries, the gubernatorial primaries, a word which I spelled G-O-O-B-E-R, notorial, gubernatorial. Having looked at some of your candidates, that seems appropriate. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing, though. Now, I said, as, as someone who is mindlessly tribalistic, I decided to vote in lockstep with my tribe and uh, vote yes for ranked choice voting. Mm-hmm. However, I suppose I haven't, I probably have not looked at it uh, with a sufficiently critical eye. And I say this without shame because <laughs> if, if Socrates says the unexamined life is not worth living, I say, yes, but what if you are sleepy? <laughs> Socrates. Socrates, uh, I don't know if he had children or not, but they certainly did not play a large role in any of the dialogues. No, no, they were largely absent, although maybe he considered his students to be his children. Yeah. Probably you not. No, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but the, the words ranked choice voting um, have two, three of three words that are uh, relevant to baseball all the time because there's many rankings that go mm-hmm. on. There's also, there's voting sometimes. Sometimes. And they're both opportunities for members of the media and commenters and personalities, sporting personalities, to froth at their mouths mm-hmm. and to uh, engage in uh, public outrage. Yep. But you're a person who has—I don't know if you accept the—if you, if you accept you have some expertise in the matter, but uh, you have, at least have, I think, exhibited some interest in the area of representation. Indeed. And uh, I have to assume that the matter of ranked choice voting comes up at some point during that, or they would be at least relevant. Is it? Yeah, for sure. It's a it's a system that is used in other countries pretty extensively. You know, we we don't have to spend a, a ton of time on this, but you know, if people are interested, there are some uh, some issues with ranked choice voting. There's some work that's been done that has sort of stuck around that would suggest that when you have more than 
when you have three or more choices, that you actually can't aggregate the individual preferences of, uh, of you know, voters into an aggregate communal preference. But, you know, we get along fine. We seem to do okay with it. I think a lot of people like it. They think it's, they think it's more democratic that you're expressing sort of a truer sentiment of the community in terms of who you end up with uh, in office. It's nice because it allows people to sort of do a bit of protest voting without it getting too thorny. It's less expensive, uh, right? How is it less? Why is it? Oh, because you don't have to do a runoff. You don't have to do runoffs. Right. right. If you live in a sort of place where there is a demand for a majority as opposed to a simple plurality. Correct. There's no need to do a runoff vote. Correct, right. which is good because, you know, those tend to be, if we think about uh, voting in terms of how how democratic it is and, and just base that on how many people participate in elections, runoffs are terrible. Uh, they have very, very low turnout. And so you can get some kind of wonky results as a result of that where you have very passionate um, participants who maybe don't really truly represent the consensus of the community. So I think in that in that respect, it's it's good. I think it is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it can let people say, well, you know, I don't, I don't know about this uh, one candidate. And I'm Tony Baloney. Yeah, that Tony Baloney. So I'm going to cast a protest ballot. But also for Johnny, is it for Johnny Lasagna? Uh, yeah, obviously. Who's actually who will be starting for the New York Yankees on Friday? most incredible thing there's ever been but you know i'm still going to express a, a like a true preference over popular alternatives so that you you know get to sort of have your have your little moment of which you know is an important thing guaranteed to you by the constitution with, uh, <laughs> but also you know sometimes it's important to vote for people who are less bad than other people okay so right and so now, you said it, uh, that the idea would be to, in theory and perhaps in practice, it reflects the truer sentiment of the population. I would also argue, and I think this is roughly the same point, though, is that what it is, is it you arrive at the person on whom everyone is not most offended by. Yeah. Or everyone, everyone, the person by whom everyone is least offended. Yeah, I think that that's right. true. Right. And that is how great, uh, that is how democracies and successful marriages work. <laughs> Which is where everyone is equally unhappy, <laughs> right? But not, but they aren't their worst version of unhappy. They're just sort right. of unhappy. Right. Yeah. And if people, if some people are too happy, then something is likely something has gone awry. Yeah, that's yeah. that isn't how democracy should work or does work no. at all. <laughs> no, you do, do not be. Actually, I th- I think that I don't know. You might have something more intelligent to say on this matter than I do, but I, I have observed that certain people look maybe to the political world in the world of representation for a source of uh, like they attach a certain element of their personal happiness to it and that seems it seems like a miscalculation for a couple of different ways yeah i think you know i applaud that miscalculation i think it's good to be miserable on behalf of your country <laughs> i think it's an important part of citizenship but yeah no it can be it, it can be rough you know some people might say that it's been especially rough of late. Yeah, but... some people might say that, but I, 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 time is long, time and short. It's yeah, also, it's also short, but it's also long. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I think people have been of various degrees of unhappy for 
sometime. Yeah, no, I think it's important to remember that human beings have been terrible for a very long time mm -hmm. and that we should not take progress away from that state of just moral suck uh, yeah. for granted because it's, it's, you know, not often sustained. I actually find it, I find that to be a reassuring thought is that people have been horrible for a long time. <laughs> Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that we, we think similarly on a lot of these things. But you I and I? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I also wrote recently on the pages of Fangraphs.com that I, um, you know, I, I take some comfort in the fact that things can get worse. So I don't know if we're, we're quite right. We might be a little touched we, in a funny way. Might not be reflective not. of the... Of the uh... Yeah. Of the population, but I think that we're correct. I think, oh, well, yeah, I think we're yeah. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I don't so, have okay, to, like, we... express a preference about all-star voting as a result of this conversation, right? I don't have to. Do you, yeah, I guess. There was a I time guess when the... I cared about that, and I don't think I do anymore. Yeah, I, I mean, I would think that I would be more concerned about the methodology for all-star voting if, if, if personally, I if I cared it. about it. Yeah. I guess the question is, how much do the players care? Yeah, that's the only thing that I really, I mean, I worry about a lot of small things that I shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And I, if I let go of them, I would be a happier person. Like, I worry about Dolly Parton's health a lot. <laughs> Just because I know I'm going to be sad when she's no longer with us. But that's a weird thing to stress about. But so I do worry about, like, how, you know, like, how's Gene Segura going to feel when he's not an all-star this year because the AL is stacked at shortstop mm -hmm. and there are, you know, three guys ahead of him who have been uh, more valuable yeah. by our metrics at Fangraphs. So, you know, he probably won't make it. And uh, that's going to make him sad because he's having a, a good year and he seems yeah, like but, a person but, who really cares. So I care in that way, but, like, but, not but, really. I don't know. No, 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 no. Here, here, here's an alternative thought. Maybe this is an opportunity for him to just to perform a spiritual exercise. Yeah. You know, because uh, this is not something over which he has any control, right? Sure. And uh, when confronted by something, an ideal result, or uh, a result that is not ideal, but which is also out of our control, it provides a great opportunity for us to remember what is in our control and to attempt to perfect, attempt to perfect. You never perfect it, right? Sure. But remember that uh, we we have certain faculties. Uh, and so so instead of bemoaning the fact or, or worrying about uh, his reaction, say, hey, excellent opportunity for Gene Segura to, to remember what he what he can control. This is not a luxury that Carlos Correa will have because he'll right. be elected to uh, the, the All-Star team. Right. And, you know, in a way, I think, I think that most of those guys, well, I won't speak for them. I bet a lot of them care every year. But, you know, once you're an All-Star one time, then mm -hmm. we refer to you forever as former All-Star, mm -hmm. you know. Like uh, Kyle Sear went to one All-Star game. He's not going to go this year. He's having a weird year. But, you know, he went to one All-Star game. But we refer yeah. to him as former All-Star Kyle Seager. And now he gets to nap, you know? He gets a mm -hmm. week where he just gets to be with his family and maybe go on a little vacation, you know, somewhere like in-state, but still nice. Go to a lake or something, to mm -hmm. the mountains. Does so, every state have a lake? Well, I don't know about every state, but Washington does, and I, you know, would presume he'd stay here. But, you know, a, a state, you could go to a state with lakes if you were so inclined and uh, get to rest, which sounds great. Washington's resting. got a couple different types of lakes too. You can have your, uh, you can have your wooded lake, right? Yeah, we have Al alpine. Is that a yeah, sure. Way yeah, of... but the, but then you can go out to what the high plains desert. Yes, go to Lake Chelan, maybe. 
Yeah, go to over to Lake Chelan. Maybe right. hang out uh, hang out near Yakima. Yeah. Eat a bunch of apples and drink some wine. Yeah, the wine over there is good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so so Kyle Seeger's got options. Yeah. Let's just get to that. Yeah. Right, and Gene Segura will have options also probably. Mm-hmm. Or, or mm-hmm. maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe Carlos Correa will stub his toe in a way mm-hmm. that will only keep him out for the All-Star game, and then uh, Gene Segura will be an alternate. Do you think that, uh, now I assume that uh, given your level of intelligence and, uh, I don't know if it's ambition, but your capacity to employ intelligence, that you've probably received some sort of award before. Have you ever been recognized? I have been recognized. It's so Would nice. You, do you, like, what's an example of a time you, you've been recognized? Uh, well, right now I am sitting in my home office and up on the wall, I have a, a lovely plaque from the Society of American Baseball Research for okay. a, a Sabre Analytics Conference award I won. Whoa. Yeah. All right. But here's, a, here, now, here's a question, though. Do, do you, have you ever, I don't know if it was for the Sabre award or not, but have you ever, have you ever let uh, recognition get to your head, Meg Rowley? Oh, I don't know. I mean, have you ever believed the hype about Meg Rowley? I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I'm a little ways through like watching a bunch of hit by pitches, mm-hmm. so that's pretty humbling. <laughs> that my professional ambition is just like doing that and hopefully finishing a piece on replay. So. I know. I feel like I fail a lot, and so it keeps me in the right frame of mind. You don't act to the degree that you know you have sort of what I would say an acceptable baseline, or you know, a relatively common baseline of social skills. Uh huh. Um, I'm not saying that you're that you're full of them. I'm, no. just, I'm saying that you have a sufficient quantity. Yeah, I probably do okay, especially for for baseball writers. For baseball, we're, right? Yeah, we're a funny well, they, bunch. Let's just say the WRC plus, let's say the index rating, <laughs> the baseline there is a little bit lower than it would be for some of the other <laughs> professions. Sure. But you have some characteristics that you might share in common with a with a, a person who has high functioning autism. <laughs> you really do. You you do. This is not Mostly uh, this because is neither... I'm a completist by nature, is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah, this is neither a compliment. Uh, your criticism well, it, it is could... an observation is that when you do things you're like, you're like I'm gonna must, do it must must do the whole thing yeah because I know that you have what you're working on or have nearly complete with a post on instant replays yes my turnaround on that though and I know I said this the last time mm-hmm. but we talked but this is gonna be for real yeah you know I had the idea on a Thursday night on no, sorry, sorry, sorry. On a Thursday night. Last Thursday. Well, that this doesn't mean anything. Thursday? A week, a week, yeah, a week okay. ago Thursday, right? And uh, and then over the weekend, we don't have to get into it. I had some family things I had to attend to, so I mm. didn't work on it. And uh, you know, by today, it'll be done. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, so it's better. So here's a question again, an honest <laughs> question: Is it is this an example of irony that it um, <laughs> that you've spent a week? Working, uh, writing a post on instant replay. <laughs> it's some kind of something. It is. It's. I don't know if I don't, it may not be irony, but it is somehow. Um, it's meaningful in some way. I think. Can I confess? If only Jonathan Safran Foer would write a novel about it. <laughs> can I? Conf- right. Yep. Can I confess to something? Mm-hmm. I often. I think I know. Uh, is what, it a murder? No. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> I think I know what irony means most of the time, and I think that I can properly use. The phrase mm-hmm. "it begs the question," but I no, am, you cannot. But I am so afraid. I am so afraid of misusing both and mm-hmm. and meeting with terrible scorn and mm-hmm. mockery that I just don't use either. Ever. Yeah, that's fine. Begs I just write question, around them. Yeah, that um, 
that one that one does uh I only know when a fangraphs writer uses the phrase begs the question. I remind myself, uh, A, remind myself uh, what begs the question means as a rhetorical fallacy yeah, or logical fallacy. And then usually I find that what this person has done acceptably is to simply to sort of utilize it how one does in a casual speech. Sure. But much like you exhibit some of the traits of uh, high-functioning autism— <laughs> Um, so do, and I mean this, my heart is bursting with love as I say it. So too, so do some of Fangraph's readers. And if they sense that it has been, if they sense that it, that term, that expression has been used, uh, incorrectly, they will note it. Yes, um, they will. And, uh, and that's fine too. Here's one, here's the, uh, I have this ready one in my head of the, uh, for definition of irony. This mm-hmm. is kind of my, uh. My example that I used to compare against all other, or anytime I would like to employ the word irony, a used car salesman, right? Mm-hmm. A used car salesman knowingly, knowingly uh, sells a car that has faulty brakes, okay? Okay. The next day, uh, he's crossing the street in town and he is run over by a car. Which car? The car he sold that has faulty brakes. Boom, irony. Sure. <laughs> delicious irony oh boy yeah 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 you know what's really ironic now this is a bad transition oh, never mind what were you gonna do i was just gonna talk about how weird the playoffs playoff no that's a terrible right transition <laughs> really bad. no no wait i i still have questions about ranking and voting oh no okay <laughs> Yeah, I do. Because, okay. um, again, um, I appeal to you because you have some expertise in this. Yeah. But let's see. You mentioned the All-Star game. Again, less concerned with that. Yeah. I can tell you that um, the with prospect rankings, yeah. um, there's been some evolution in recent years. Not evolution, but I guess in the way it's – at least it's expressed publicly. Of course, the uh, the top prospect list is an important part of the uh, – certainly the, the work we do at Fangraphs. And Eric Longany and Colin McDaniel do an excellent job. Mm-hmm. However – uh, what's always essential to note when publishing a prospect list, and I think with which readers have become an idea with which readers have become more comfortable, is that the difference between like uh, one and two, and two and five, and five and ten, and ten and fifty, these are not all the same. Right. Right. For sure. Or maybe, the, or maybe those, maybe some of those are the same. Maybe some well, of those some are of the them, same. Well, some of them, some of them would be similar. You would think that you would think that one and five would be significantly more similar to each other. Than mm-hmm. say one in fifty or one in one hundred. Right, you would think that. Yeah, you would think that. But how about this? The gap between one in fifty and fifty and one hundred, while roughly fifty places, the gap between fifty and one hundred is much is much larger. Yes. Yeah. No. No. Well, why no. did you agree with me? That's wrong. No, no the, there, the, the, the difference squished. between one fifty is much larger. Right. Because right. we have a because yeah. of the distribution of talent. Right. Yep. There's a long right tail. Is yep. there a long right tail? Yeah, sure, depending on how you compose the graph. But yeah, right there's a long tail. right tail. Right. Or a long left tail, however you uh, would probably decide be a long right tail based on... Yeah, I guess. Yeah, a long right tail. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, Correct. Yeah. So like that's that's another case. That's a, a case of ranking things where uh, it's essential how you rank things. Right. And then you get, you know, like any distribution, then you get down into like the 200s and it's like, oh, a lot of these guys are kind of the same. They're basically the same. Right. Yeah. Right. Correct. Not right. Yeah, Correct. <laughs> do you do you go around do you rank? Are you a ranker? Um not 
naturally i don't think okay i don't know i mean yeah i guess professionally i engage in some of that mm-hmm. but you know i i find the the relative differences between things to be interesting good point good good deal good good <laughs> talk uh, <laughs> i mean i don't like i don't think about uh books i've read and then put them in ranked order you don't want to do that that yeah that doesn't that doesn't, doesn't tend to appeal to me. So I would find the extra. What are your top three books? Oh, God. I don't know. I would find, yeah. I think, you know, there are great many things that I admire about the the excellent work you've referenced that, that Eric and Kylie do. Mm-hmm. But I would find the practice of ranking just inherently stressful. And so that is a not insignificant part of what they do, although clearly it is not everything that they do, is something that I admire just in terms of them having the capacity to do it without collapsing into a puddle on the floor. Yeah. Like Alex Mack in The Secret World of Alex Mack. Just become a puddle of liquid on the floor. Is that a reference that means anything to you? No, I don't know. uh... Don't worry about it. Is this a short story you wrote? No, it was a television show on Nickelodeon. Yeah, okay. That, yeah. that, that mattered in my youth. Anyway, so yeah, so they do a very good job of that, both in terms of the, the expertise they bring and also just their sheer capacity to do it without becoming nervous wrecks. It's a, so you're suggesting it's something that you gladly consume, but you would not dare compose. Yes. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Plus, Prospect Twitter is is a crazy place full of wild types. It seems yeah. very stressful. <laughs> The concept of waiting becomes essential in another way. I know that an advice that grandfathers like to give uh-huh. is, uh, oh, you having trouble making a choice? Make a list of pros and cons. Yeah, well, guess what, Grandpa? Not all these pros and cons are of similar are of similar weight. Correct. Correct. You know? Right. You have to think about small benefits versus large drawbacks or, drawbacks. or vice versa. For yeah. example, if you're going to make a like a pro and con list of being mauled by a bear, right? So pro of being mauled by a bear, uh, you get to miss work. And see a bear. <laughs> so, 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 okay, so we have two pros. Con, probably dead. Yeah. Yeah. But the pros, the pros are outweighing the cons. Sure. Right. Right. If you were just to tally them. You have mm-hmm. to consider your relative preferences. There has to be a waiting, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the reason that I have still not seen uh, the movie The Revenant. With mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio because the the preview revealed to me that there would be a bear mauling scene. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm out on that. Mm-hmm. The pro of this movie seems to be nothing. The con mm-hmm. is that a human person is mauled by a bear. And it also seemed like the sort of movie that might have a bunch of axe murder. And I'm yeah, out on that. Some. Um, more than more than zero. <laughs> more more yeah, than there might have been yeah there was some uh there was some gristle some human gristle yeah and so i just uh i didn't i didn't need that i didn't need it so in my what life. about waiting uh so let's talk about a different way to rank things which i want to ra- i want to this is like the family feud the family feud style of if i'm going to vote for if i'm going to rank or vote something if i'm going to vote for politicians what if as a voter right you give me <laughs> you give me a list of say 10 candidates to make this easy and then you give me a hundred units to vote for those ten those ten candidates, right? Right. And I say, well, this is my, here's my favorite one, right? My favorite. But do I want to put all one hundred units on my favorite candidate? Right. This is one of the other criticisms of ranked choice voting is that okay. it tends to inspire strategic voting like that, right? So one okay. place we sort of see this isn't a perfect. 
this isn't a perfect comparison. I'm admitting that this is imperfect. But it's sort of like voting for the Hall of Fame, right? Where you Mm -hmm. have a certain number of votes you can cast. Now, you can't double up votes, right? You can't say, it's really important to me that, I don't know, name your borderline Hall of Fame candidate is going to make it into the Hall of Fame. And so I will cast all of my 10 votes for Edgar Martinez and none of my other votes for anyone else. Mm -hmm. But you can leave guys off the ballot and and that's like a calculated thing right right because you say oh i think he i think he will i think he deserves to be on the ballot but i think that he will get votes from other people right and so therefore i do not feel any sort of burden to retain him on my own ballot because i think i want to give credit to someone else who's not going to get attention on other ballots right so you know i don't think that this is what ended up happening but there was sort of a, a bit of joking going around the year that ken griffey jr received almost unanimous support into the hall of fame that maybe the the people who didn't vote for him who did not reveal their ballots publicly cast those votes for edgar instead and we would have been fine with that i suspect that's not what happened but there was a, a funny little joke we were telling amongst ourselves now the the criticism of the critic yeah we're not we're not necessarily funny people we were <laughs> yeah, trying to say, make I mean, the best of a situation yeah, that I see. Okay, we decided yeah. to feel strongly about but um no the criticism of the criticism is that well like all voting is strategic really and it's not necessarily accurate to say that that strategic voting isn't an expression of preference right because the idea behind strategic voting being sort of icky is that it's not a true reflection of the sort of natural inherent preferences of the voter they're Mm -hmm. trying to position particular candidates but you're doing that presumably because you want those candidates to win now There are instances where that's not true, right? If you're doing things in a primary, strategic voting can get kind of gross because you, as a fan of a different candidate, may choose to vote for weaker opposition candidates in the hope that it skews the field toward your guy or gal Mm. or you know. Or you can omit you can omit people too. Right. So there are yeah. places where it can get kind of gross, but but voting like is necessarily strategic. Like if you have right, so s- say you have you have three candidates, right, and one is militantly on the left, mm-hmm. one is militantly in the middle, and one is militantly on the right, right. Like voting is immediately strategic if you only have one vote because if you say I support the person on the right, yeah. Mm-hmm. But what happens if I vote for that person on the right, but some people from the right also go to the center, then the person on the left will win. I mean, there, I guess sure. questions of game theory arise immediately. Correct. Right? And that's going to be true no matter what your voting system is. So there's going to be some of it. And I, I think that most political scientists will tell you that what you're trying to do is design the most sort of representative system that you can if you're mm-hmm. given the opportunity, try to design the most representative system that you can, knowing that none of them will be, you know, perfectly perfect, but that you are going to prioritize, you know, particular things and try to maximize them within your voting system. And, you know, if people are interested, there is a lot of sort of good critique of some of the critiques of ranked choice voting. They get pretty in the weeds pretty quickly, but they exist. Mm-hmm. So if you are But interested. what about critiques of the critiques of the critiques? I mean, it's academia, so... So, yes. It's critiques all the way down. <laughs> what, um, uh, allow me to give you 10 units. Okay. And I'm going to ask you to distribute them amongst your, amongst your favorite ballplayers. Oh, boy. I'm just doing 10 units because it would be... I have to cut it down. But how are you going to... If, you, if I'm saying... This is this to this to me is now your individual answer 
is meaningless to me, right? <laughs> Although, actually, no, I like you, Meg Rowley, so your 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 answer doesn't mean something to me. And oh, thanks. probably even more interesting is your justification for your answer, right? But I think ultimately this is the most important question. We don't care about any individual specific answer, mm-hmm. but for I like in my head, the players I like the best are the most important thing to me. Sure. Like who wins and who wins and loses? Let's see. Is that no? It's not important to me because I I care for individual players i think more than i do teams but maybe i mean for some people i suppose it's teams but then they just give their 10 points they could distribute them among players on their favorite team that's fine but let's let's go what what are you going to do though who like who like immediately who was in the running well i just really i mean and it worked out nicely given my team preferences but you know uh mike trout just had this really amazing series in seattle in the midst Mm -hmm. of an amazing like on unreal year right and he's just great fun to watch. So I would probably put Mike Trout on the list. Mm-hmm. You know, I really enjoyed watching Shohei Otani before he got hurt. So is are you go, do you downgrade him? Do you think? No, I look for. I just know I'm not going to get to watch him probably maybe for quite a while. Yeah. So that's a bummer. But listen, at this time this time last year, Otani probably would have gotten. I'm just presuming he would probably gotten zero units. Yeah. Him. Yes, that is correct. Just because I don't, I don't get to watch him very often. But like over the first month or so of the season, or like spring training into the season, he probably would have gotten at least one, if not more, units. It sounds like. Yeah, I think that that's true. So it's a fluid thing. It changes on a daily basis. Correct. Or a weekly, or whatever. Weekly. Yeah. Monthly. And some of it. Fort fortnightly. Fortnightly. Some of it, you know, it's funny in baseball because there are so many things that influence. Like, I don't know that there are very many. Oh, let me think about this. So Otani's a good example where it wouldn't, on days when he was starting, it didn't really much matter who the Angels were playing. I was going to watch a Shoei Otani start. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I really like watching James Paxton. Oh, but, Paxton, yeah. But I don't watch every Angels game, even though Mike Trout is one of my very favorite players to watch play baseball yeah. because, you know, he's one guy and I got to watch other stuff. So the number of players who can sort of dictate your viewing for an evening are few and they tend to be on the pitching side. Yeah. Even though you get, I think, if what we were measuring was sort of units of enjoyment of a player Mm -hmm. over the course of a season – that would probably skew much more heavily toward position players, I would think. Well, that's why the that's why. Are you familiar with MLB.tv Game Changer? I am. Yeah. Do you utilize it? I don't. No. I haven't been able to figure out. I'm sure there's a way. I haven't been able to figure out how to make it work on my TV. Can you only use it on your computer? You can only use it on your computer. So what I should do is I should just have it on my computer and then have a game on my tv especially since mlb tv got rid of the quad box which i don't understand but yes that's the idea behind it right is that it switches around for you so like i really want to see you know i want to see mike trout's home run i want to or at bats they tend to end in home runs at least lately um Mm. And I want to see, you know, the half innings when Paxton is pitching and I want to understand. Yeah, you could do all this. This is exactly what it is. Right. You're describing the product. Yeah. <laughs> you know who You know who I've enjoyed watching this year and it still makes no freaking sense at all? Yeah. Why is this Nick Markakis thing happening? You watch this Nick Markakis guy. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Why? <laughs> Why have you turned into... 
to my my neighbor in Queens. <laughs> I don't know. You've seen this guy Nick Marcakis? <laughs> you've seen Jesus. this. You've seen this Nick Marcakis character? What is happening right now? Carson. Yeah, I guess yeah. Pretty good. I've wanted to watch Nick Marcakis. Mm-hmm. You know, that's probably the most surprising thing about this entire season. Mm-hmm. That's the weirdest thing of all the things. So does he get any of your any of your units? No. He okay. doesn't. But I already wrote I tried to I predicted one name for you it was Kyle Seeger. I have so this is a funny thing. Kyle Seeger's defense this year, I should probably write about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll see that post when. No, I need to be, is it gonna be in an instant. You're gonna submit that? I know. <laughs> Editorial was weird this week, Carson. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong, and that's why I feel bad. Yeah. Anyway, uh, his defense has been quite good, you know, in the way that it looks good. And the numbers say it's been pretty okay. Pretty good, in fact. But you're always a little, you know, nervous yeah, sure. to say definitive things about defense, especially mm-hmm. just through June. But the bat's been not the best. Kyle's mm-hmm. not winning the battle against the shift. Yeah, interesting. Okay. So that's not great. But, Sorry. you Sorry, know. bro. I mean, I think he's, it's fine. He's not like unplayable or anything, but uh, he is currently sporting a 91 WRC plus. So that's actually for a third baseman. It's not ideal, but it's not the worst either. No, it's not the worst, but it could be better. Could be better. Could be better. He has slightly positive base running value, I guess from something that isn't trying to steal bases. Kyle Seeger stealing bases is like me at almost 32 thinking like I could have a third beer and it would be fine. It's never okay. Never turns out good. Uh, we are we are having an episode here. Hey, you mentioned Kyle Seeger, Meg Rally. Despite the fact, can I make an observation, Meg Rally? Will you allow it? Yes. All right. Despite the fact that Kyle Seeger, who in recent years has been one of the Seattle Mariners' best players, despite the fact that he is having what one might reasonably characterize as a subpar season for him. Mm-hmm. The team for which he plays is actually... Well, no, wait. I was about to say one of the best in the American League. Mm. What I can say is that they've produced one of the best records in the American League. That's more accurate. Yes. Yeah. It's very strange. We at Fangraphs.com currently have the Mariners' odds of making the playoffs at 74.5%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what they've done successfully uh, is to bank wins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jay wrote a very nice piece about their success in sort of close games, uh, which has been a big part of that. Right. So they've they have a crazy good. I'm going to look it up. I've forgotten what it is because it seems like Do every day research. they play a one run game. Which is how are you gonna? Where are you gonna look it up? You think baseball reference? Maybe? I was gonna. Or? I was gonna do exactly that. I was gonna look it up okay. at baseballreference.com. So they are twenty-one and nine in one-run games. Yes, that's a seven hundred winning percentage. You generally would expect it to be worse than that. Shooting distance of. 500. 500, Right. And so, you know, and they have a a bullpen that has done well, particularly Mm -hmm. one Edwin Diaz, their closer. But even, I think, most of the the sort of studies that have been done on this suggest that, like, it has an impact, but it doesn't have an impact to the tune of, like, 200 points of winning percentage. Yeah. So it's weird and fluky, but as you noted, these wins are banked, and Mm -hmm. no one can take them away. And it's odd because they, so the Mariners have um, 
I think like the third hardest. We have them tied for the hardest remaining strength of schedule in mm-hmm. the American League, sort of for the rest of the season. So, you know, that's going to be tricky. They have this little run against the Red Sox and the Yankees. They had a run against the Angels, and they ended up sweeping that series, which was a, a very good thing. So they're a weird team. They seem to have been at times a lucky team. Jay noted in his piece that they have been, they've benefited from some very clutch hitting and very good pitching in tight situations, uh, which, you know, we we don't necessarily expect to be to suggest that that will continue, but it has been that way so far. And I think that they're sort of in this odd spot where they're benefiting from, you know, an American league where who else is going to get them? Because the Angels are back to being basically just Mike Trout. The Twins have been not good. Mm-hmm. The Twins have been not good and like not good in a boring way. Sorry, Twins fans. That's a bummer. Wow. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, buddies. They've been, uh, yeah, well, they're roughly, I mean, they're, depending on how much credit you'd like to give the Angels, there are either five or six teams vying for five playoff spots. Right. In the American League, yeah. Uh, and it would be, at this point, it would be surprising if a seventh team were to get involved, I guess. I, I mean, I suppose it would be the Twins. Yeah, if that I, were think, the case. I think likely the Twins. But unlike unlike a lot of second place teams, the Twins actually have a better chance of winning their division than winning a wild card spot. Right, right. That's the that's unusual. Right, and you know the Mariners are in they're in first place, mm-hmm. but I don't think anyone really anticipates that they will win the West. You know where they've had amazing fortune in one run games. The Astros have been quite poor in one run games, but are on a sort of pure talent basis, a significantly better team. I mean, we still project them to win more than 100 games, I think. So they will likely win the West. But I expected this Mariners team to be middling and pretty boring. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that if you're in a lot of one-run games, baseball is pretty exciting. Of course. Yeah, that's a good point. So, you know, I think there's been some consternation in the Mariners fan base that I've observed where people are, um, you know, and I understand we've had a hard time as fans in the last, you know, half of my life. So I get why people are kind of cranky when good fortune is sort of looked at sideways as maybe not being sustainable. But, you know, I think people have said, well, we don't like it when when people harp on the, the run differential and what their base run record suggests the team should be doing. And I, I get that. But it's also, you know, when you're playing a lot of close games, it can be a great deal of fun. It's stressful, but it's a lot of fun. And it makes it feel like every game matters. And, uh, you know, that's really a new condition for me as a Mariners fan to feel like every game matters and is potentially winnable. That's a that's a new feeling and one that I'm enjoying, even if I can look at the sort of, you know, stats that are underpinning this team and say, well, they're probably not a, you know, 600 winning percentage. They can't yeah, win 600 Yeah, well, the games, consequences... But- the consequences of, of uh, sort of operating under an illusion in, in the case of uh, baseball fandom, they're not re- they're not really uh, they're not particularly dire. No, you'd be like, no, this team is great in one run wins or one run games. Like, not not they have been great. They are somehow innately great. And then I say, well, look, 
there's no evidence really that, uh, I mean, with the exception of a strong bullpen, there's no evidence that any team is really that good in one-run games. And then you're like, I don't care. I am telling you my observations. And then I say, objectively, it's not true. And then even if I'm right, like there's no, there's no parade. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, it, no, and you, you, even though uh, you're objectively wrong, what are the consequences for being wrong in that case? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, and I think, so it's been sort of an interesting little uh, journey that I've been going on this season. Because, you know, this is the first year where I've been writing about baseball full time, even if it sometimes takes a while for me to file stuff. I've been engaged with the sport on a full-time basis. And, you know, I think everyone has to sort of find that balancing point between being someone who can kind of enjoy things, but also tell the truth, but not be a bummer. And also not be so, like, self-important. Like, you know, sometimes I'll get frustrated because I'll be like, that's not right, and I want to shake my fists and and kind of gripe at people on Twitter, and I have done it some, and I'm embarrassed and ashamed but it's like, what am I going to say? Like, my professional obligation is to tell the truth. And it's like, well, that's true. But also, you sound like a jackass. So, I don't know. Just uh, watch some baseball, tell the truth on stuff, and enjoy things where you can. I think that's my approach. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Have you tried, as um, Emily Dickinson suggested, to, to tell the truth, but to tell it slant? <laughs> have you yes. have you adopted that at all? And if so, what is that? What does that mean, actually? My ver- my version of that has maybe been to say that these wins are banked, that this team is fun, and that as long as you aren't going to be personally devastated if things mm. take a turn, that mm-hmm. you should uh, just uh, roll team, you know, and, uh, roll yeah. with it. Yeah, I think that you. I think you're doing it right. Yeah, I think that roll team is exactly what Emily had in mind when she said that. You seem to be very comfortable with referring to people by their first name. Kyle Seeger, I accepted because frequently broadcasters refer to players by their first names. But then you went Emily on Emily well, Dickinson. I don't know, Miss mm-hmm. Dickinson. I, I prefer to call her by the nickname that she preferred. Oh, no. Which was E-Dick, I think. <laughs> That's what she always said. She said. Oh, boy. She said, oh, brother. Uh, Please, sir, call me E-Dick. That's how she talked, too. <laughs> yeah. She suffered from voice modulation. <laughs> Please, sir, call me E. Dick. <laughs> oh, no. That's why she didn't talk a lot, and then why she mostly sat upstairs and wrote poems. Aw. I think she wrote like 1,600 of them, didn't she? There were a lot of poems. Too many. Well, I don't know. I mean, she seemed to like it. Yeah, but like... We watch baseball every day, man. Like, who are we to criticize? Do we? Do we watch baseball every day? I mm. watch baseball every day. Yeah, I do not. Mm, I watch baseball almost every day. I read posts by people who watch sufficient quantity of baseball to write posts about them. And then I say, Ooh, all right. Ooh. All right. I learned today, for example, that Jordan Hicks has developed some command. Yeah. Today was Jordan Hicks Day on the internet, apparently. What else was there? He oh, was quite was popular. A, yeah. See, I do not even acknowledge the presence of other, of other media sources. Oh. Well, you are, we do ask a lot of you. Mm. <laughs> yeah. For instance, you have to deal with me. Yeah. That's very trying. Yeah. Can I ask you a plant question? I know we're nearing the end of our time. Yeah, we are nearing the end of time, and I would love to answer a plant question inadequately. So I'm at war with blackberry bushes. Oh, okay, yeah. Now, I, I don't have a lot of expertise in that field. However, um, I do understand that they um, uh, they, they do they, they grow. They do bit. grow. They are pernicious. 
They are here to conquer all of us. They're sort of like the Astros or the Yankees in that respect, where you think that you've beaten them back and then they just grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my neighbors, he'll remain nameless. He has a bunch of blackberry bushes in his backyard that he does not seem bothered by, which would be fine if they stayed in his yard, but they don't. And so it's just like every weekend I have to deal with them, which is fine, actually. I kind of like, you know, on Saturday mornings before baseball started, I put on a podcast and go tackle these thorny bastards. But they are really, I think you have to dig them out. Does that sound like a thing, maybe? Oh, could be. Could be true. Could be. You certainly, um, as the canes grow, I think that um, if you are somewhat persistent, you know, in, in, in getting them, they eventually get take the hint. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's the sort of thing where I'm probably doing as much as I want or care to do as a person renting this home and not owning this home. Right. But that otherwise it's kind of a pain. Yeah. Do you ever eat the blackberries when they are available? No, because we'd have to let them grow Mm, a bunch to get to the point where they're actually flowering and then fruiting. And so we haven't done that just because I I think that if we were to leave it that long, it would get get out of hand. It would be quite hard to battle back. Yeah. (sighs) Well, it seems like you have a a situation on your hand that might be a metaphor for life, Meg Rally. Yeah, it's just a constant battle and then I'll die or have to move. Yeah, I guess dying is kind of like moving. <laughs> Make a pros and cons list. Hopefully the moving happens before the dying. <laughs> hey, Meg Rally, in terms of uh, obligations to the program, I think that you fulfilled yours. Hey, thanks. I'm so glad. Yeah. Now, uh, what you know and what uh, people will find out as soon as I utter it aloud is that uh, you will actually be contributing to the Pitch Talks Blue Jays podcast in a moment. Indeed. And uh, we'll figure that out uh, We'll figure out what we're going to do over there. But for the moment, allow me to say thank you, Meg Rally. Thank you, Carson. And then I will say that has been Meg Rally, former contributor to Lookout Landing and Baseball Perspectives, current contributor to Fangraphs, and uh, managing editor of Hardball Times. There we go. Yeah. I'm Carson Sestouli. This has been Fangraphs Audio. Mm-hmm.